are now listening to a very special message from Joy Community Church. Well, first of all, the letter to the Ephesians, it does celebrate the beauty of the local church, the beauty of the body of Christ, um, the beauty of God's people. Uh, and, and so uh, Ephesians is a letter that challenges God's people to continue the ministry of God's Son with uh, confidence in Him and to depend upon the power He gives through His Holy Spirit. You see, when Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven and was seated at the need for God's people to understand how we function as God's vehicle. That's what the body of Christ is. It's God's vehicle for kingdom advancement. We are in a kingdom. We're to have a kingdom advancement mentality, and we do it in the name of Jesus. The book of Ephesians has a grand picture of each of our position, our responsibilities, our privilege, and the calling that you and I have in Jesus Christ. We are a called people. We are a destined people. We are a people that once we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are a kingdom people. We have a kingdom purpose, and we have the kingdom of God that dwells in us, and it, we are mobilized as saints through the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't get me excited because it's true. <laughs> Very true. We see that this beautiful grand picture that Paul writes about to the Ephesian believers and his longing for them to understand that the concept of the church is a body of Christ. And the church is to incarnate the ministry of Jesus Christ. The Ephesians holds the key to teaching and advancing the ministry and mission of the local church. That's what mobilizes us as a church, is when you read the book of Ephesians, you see how we're not just to come to church, we're not just to learn in church, we're not just to pray in church, we're supposed to incarnate Christ, the Christ who established the church, and then through the local church be the expression of his heart and his spirit and his power to all mankind through the gift of our own salvation, asking, praying, and presenting salvation to others. Amen. It's exciting. Amen. It's a thrill. The church at Ephesus is a hopeful picture. Boy, do we need a hopeful picture today. Amen. You know, if you turn on the radio, you hear all the nasty things going on in the world and in politics and in the government, and this is shutting down, and, that's, and this is not available, and that... You can be depressed within five minutes. Well, actually a minute. But can I tell you, when you read the book of Ephesians, you are spurred on to be mobilized to fulfill that Christ-ordained call that you have to be an heir and a son and daughter in our Lord Jesus Christ. You have a mission. And it's not impossible. It's possible. 
The author and the date of the book of Ephesians, well, we know that the author is Paul, and he founded the church in Ephesus during his second missionary journey in A.D. 52, and he actually spent three years there pastoring. And so he was there for three years, and he got the boot because the silversmiths wanted to kill him because he was actually speaking against idols and worship of idols and false teaching, and they didn't like that. Paul likely wrote the letter in A.D. 60, and he was imprisoned in Rome at the time. It has several key themes that you can't ignore, but you need to be aware of so that when you're reading the book of Ephesians, as you're going to be reading over the next eight weeks, you can enjoy an outline of what the key themes are. And first of all, one of the first key themes is that we have many spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. I like that. You just start in chapter one and you're like, I'm a blessed person. All heavenly blessings and all heavenly promises have been granted to me. I like that, and I believe that. Another key theme is that each believer is gifted through the Holy Spirit, and I preach on that all the time, but the book of Ephesians really preaches it and believes it and actually encourages us as a body to function and be organic in the movement of the body through our giftings. And we talk about that in our SHAPE seminar. And we really invest in those who come through that seminar to actually utilize not only their spiritual gifts, their passion and their abilities and their personalities and their life experiences, all that working together for your God-given shape. That's important because the Holy Spirit's anointed you through your giftings to use them. And then another key theme is our faith should work its way into all our relationships. Well, I thought our faith was just to serve God. No, our faith is to work in and through every relationship that God's blessed us with. And um, I love that about the community here at Joy. And I have seen, especially in the last several years, the body rise up because our body has gone through a lot of illness a lot of serious situations, a lot of people have gone home to be with Christ. So it's been a grieving body. It's been a confused body. Why? There's always a question, why now? Or why that person? Or what, what, what's going on here? Very valid questions that we ask. And so to have a body who understands that... Um, our faith helps us to work its way through our relationships and to love one another, serve one another, bless one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, hope for one another, believe in one another, stand by each other. That has been a hallmark of Joy Community Church. And even as, even as I say that, I just sense the Father's heart of pleasure when I say that for you, because it's a truth. And I've been the bearer of that blessing on many occasions. And so I watch you care, and some of you just quietly go out of your way to sacrifice with grace, kindness. You just shower other people 
with that blessing I was talking about, that blessing you've received, I love when I watch you give it away. And you may think it's just a small act of kindness. Can I tell you? It's a life changer for somebody in a difficult place. And I just applaud you. And I love you deeply for that. It really has captivated my heart and it's challenged me to love deeper as a person myself. And so we're going to skip that theme because you get that. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I do want to talk about it. Um, another theme is our spiritual strength comes from God through his word and our faith. We've really beat the drum on the word of God, don't we? We just say, well, no, 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 no. We're not giving that up. That's, what's, that's, that what's, that's what keeps us on the right path. That keeps us focused. That's where our, our mission and our vision, that's right in the word of the Lord. And I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed to declare that. And I'm not ashamed to even tell you that I'm ignorant even of the things, that doctrines of the world. I really don't care about the doctrines of the world. I do care about the doctrines of the faith. I really do. I'll fight for those. Each, another theme is that each believer has spiritual riches in Christ. I like what Warren Wearsby says. He says, Christ is the source of our blessing, the scope of our blessings, and the sphere of our blessings. And so when you, when you begin to think everybody else is being blessed and God has forgotten me, life is so tough. There's a big scope called God. God is your blessing. Amen? Don't sit there looking at me. He's your blessing. Yeah. Hallelujah. And he loves to bless his people. And he wants to come and bless your situation. And so that's another theme in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians encourages the believer to recognize they have a high calling as children and as heirs to God. And that's a major theme. And right from chapter 1 right to the end of chapter 6 and everything in between. And I just want to quickly go through some highlights with you from the book of Ephesians. I'm going to try to move this quickly because I can't do part two because next week I start chapter one. So I really have to move this and behave myself. You know me, I have a story for everything, right? So I, I, I have to really behave myself and use some discipline today. So... <laughs> So I want to talk to you to some, just some highlights as I read the book of Ephesians that I think will, are, the, are pivotal to the church being the body of Christ. So the first one is this, the believer's position is secure in Christ. It talks about that's highlighted in chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. It says this, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. Say, in love. in love. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons. That's not just male, by the way. And, you know, the guys puff their chests up and say, yeah, look at ladies. No, 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 no. That is a generic mankind, okay? Just want to be clear about that. And uh, so he's adopted us, uh, his sons, through Jesus Christ in accordance with his, I love that. What? His pleasure and will. 
When he looks at you, it is with pleasure. And when he looks at you, he's saying, wait a second, I've got something cool in mind for you, girl. He's saying, I want to work in you my good and my pleasing and my perfect will. That's what I have for you. How many of us need to know God's good, pleasing, and perfect will? I certainly do. And I certainly seek the Lord for it. Well, Paul knew that the Ephesian people really needed to be encouraged and know that what God had done through them in Christ and what, what the position really is. God wants you, listen, to be positioned today in his good, perfect, and pleasing will. That's the position he longs you to walk in. Moving along, number two, here's another highlight in the book of Ephesians chapter one. The believer's purpose and destiny says this in, cha in uh, chapter one, verse 18, 19. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope that you've been called. You haven't been called to be a failure. You are not a failure. You may have failed. That doesn't make you a failure. You're not a loser. God hasn't overlooked you. God doesn't look at you and say, well, they're not really significant to me. That's not how he looks at you. He says, wait a second here. You've been predestined, and I, have, I want you to know the hope to which I've called you. The riches of his glory inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That's all of us who believe. And so we're urged by Paul to lay hold of God's personal commitment to make sure each one that is redeemed is confident beyond your doubts, confident beyond your failures, confident beyond your weaknesses, confident beyond your own discouragement, confident beyond your limitations. He's saying, I'm looking for a confident people who understand they have purpose and destiny. I don't know who the author was of this quote, but I love this quote. It says, destiny is not a matter of chance. Destiny is a matter of choice. Destiny is not a thing to be waited for. Destiny is a thing to be achieved in God. I like that. Another highlight in the book of Ephesians is found in chapter 2, verses 1 to 19. And that is the believer's place of authority. Boy, if we are in a time where we need the authority of God, where we need to stand our God, where we need to resist the enemy, where we need to stand and take our place and resist the enemy that he might flee, it's today. It's in this moment. Not that it hadn't been in any other time, but it seems like the enemy and darkness is crouching in and trying to suffocate what God wants to do in people's lives. I say, don't let him, uh, 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 I can't find the word right now, but don't let him suffocate you. There it is. I found it. Don't let him do that to your soul. You have authority in Jesus Christ. It says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 to 7. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. He is seated at the right hand of the Father today and he's saying to you, I'm interceding because you're seated with me. 
You have a place seated by Christ in the heavenly realms, and therefore you have authority and power over all darkness, over every single demonic and evil intention strategy to destroy your life. You can take your stand and say, enough. On Friday night, we had that six-hour prayer meeting from 6 to 12. Many were online, and many were here. And there was a portion near, I think it was near the end. And uh, it was Brian and Sherry Riley who had this vision. And we stood uh, the north, the south, the east and west walls, and, and in the middle. And we declared Rochester as a city for God. We declared each family as a family for God. We declared each person as one of God's children and heir in the kingdom of God. And we said to the enemy, we're taking our stand. We're pushing you back. Stop bullying the people of Joy Community Church. We're taking our stand. This is God's city. This is God's local church. And we're going to serve him with all our might. Amen? So we just said enough is enough. Get your hands off the people of joy and their families and off this city. And we just declared a battle. This, we have the authority in the name of the Lord. There's another highlight. In chapter 2, verses 11 to 12. And that is the believer's call to unity. Ephesians chapter 2, 12 to 13 says, Remember that at the time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ... In Christ, you who once were far away have been brought near through what? The blood of Jesus Christ. That's what we were celebrating in our time of communion. It's through the precious blood that we're actually a body. That's what makes us a local church. And that's what brings the unity to the local church. It is each believer's call to learn and live in God's growing grace, which transcends human habits and ethnic separation. We don't want that. We don't want racism to determine God's outcome of who gets saved and who doesn't get saved. Are you kidding me? That is not the heart of joy, and that's not the heart of God. Number five. Another highlight from chapter 3, verses 1 to 21. The believer's revelation of the mystery. This mystery, verse 6 in chapter 3, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles and heirs together with Israel, members together in one body, those believing Jews are of the body of Christ. They belong together with Gentiles, and sharers together in the promise of Jesus Christ, again, through his precious blood. And it's God's desire that the splendor of his glory be revealed. And when we function as a body in that glory, no one will question God's salvation plan through Jesus Christ. They say, what is it? What do you have? I want that. I need that. I'm desperate for that. And we should be praying that way for others. 
that this revelation of the mystery of how did we become engrafted into the vine? How did God decide that through his son, that would be the answer? They talk about that in the book of Ephesians in chapter 3. And God desires to confound the enemy by penetrating the darkness via his kingdom as he works through the church by his Holy Spirit's power. That unity, it's, you know, a week ago, we went out uh, with connected communities and the whole troop that was here from Vermont, they, they wanted to come out and do a serve with us. So they served with Janelle on Friday at the Hope Shop. Thanks so much for your flexibility and they loved it. They wanted to take Janelle home and Patrick said no. I don't know why, but anyway, that happened. They all love Janelle. And uh, so then on Saturday, uh, Brian and Sherry were leading the charge with Connected Communities, and we all put these T-shirts on because we wanted, to, we, we wanted to make sure we didn't lose the eight that were here from Vermont. And so we, we put these on. Can I tell you, this did not create unity. All it did was create awareness. What created unity is we were of one heart, one mind, one soul, one spirit, and one purpose. Jesus Christ. We wore these. So they, I wore mine so I wouldn't get lost. And I didn't get lost. Brian found me. I was so happy. But I'm just, we have this mindset of what mentality, I mean, what unity is. And unity, here's these people from another, I was going to say another province, another state, <laughs> Vermont. We, ne we never ministered with them before. We didn't know those people. We knew one of those people, and that was Pastor Baum. Immediately when they landed, the guy walks in, the big guy, you remember Jody? Grabs me and picks me right off my feet says, I'm here. I'm like, and who are you? <laughs> and please put me down. <laughs> he said, nope, not until I shake some love in you. Oh, yeah. And so all of a sudden, this oneness, this belonging, a greater vision of what the body of Christ is more capable of if we work together in the spirit of the living God. That's what last week was all about. Never, ever worshipped on this stage, but did we meet Jesus last week? Yes. Oh, yes, we did. Why? Because Christ is in the midst of the unity. It's powerful. We see here also another highlight found in chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. The believer's worthy walk and equipping for ministry. And it says in Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And there's many other scriptures about the gifts of the Spirit, right? But let's, we're talking about the book of Ephesians, not Romans or Corinthians. We're talking about Ephesians. But this is really an important, these verses are really essential to the flavor of ministry that happens in a local church and to the mobilizations of the saints. Because if it's not servant leadership, it's official leadership. I'm not interested in officials. 
Can I tell you that? I'm interested in servant leaders. That's what God's interested in as well. And servant leadership through the Holy Spirit's gifts and calling will bring the body to wholeness and strengthen the body with truth and confidence. And it will mobilize the body to fulfill its God-given purpose. And and case in point, you, you can't have, listen, you can't have all the activity that joy does without the gifts of other people. I mean, let me give you a breakdown of the calendar. August rolls around. Chris King does the golf tournament. Then we have a jazz night. Do you remember the jazz night, Joy and Jazz? Woo! Okay. And then we had VBS. Then we jumped out of that and we, we moved into a big celebration of Pastor Frank moving on. Then we moved into a tailgate party. And then we also, we moved into a a conference last week, a three-day conference. And then we also had community outreach and all the other things that we do every week. You can't do that unless people are walking in their gifts. You can't do that without a team of people. You can't do that unless the gifts begin to complement and those who get the vision that their gift can make a difference stand and say, count me in, I'm, I'm willing to do that. There was food that needed to be served last week and made every night for four nights. There were homes that people needed to sleep in. And they did. They didn't sleep in my garage. I was so happy, you know? I was so happy. And people invited them into their home. And they had a wonderful time. And now those brothers and sisters will be brothers and sisters for a long, long time. That's an eternal connection. And then all the activities. You can't, you can't have a conference like that unless you have all the administrative gifts and service gifts and help gifts and set up and tear down. And that team functioning at their top level. And then you have people behind the scenes, week after week, doing all the phone calling, all the organizing. This person's here, this person's there, this activity here, that activity here. They need this, they need that. And we had a team that did that, led by Annie. Right, Annie? And Annie was exhausted for the next week, but she did it wholeheartedly. And so when you get the church moving in its gifts, it's amazing what a church can accomplish. That eight, those eight members left here. I got calls all through the week. They said, how do you do it? And I said, we don't do it. The team does it. The people do it. That's what makes it so special. They talk about that in the book of Ephesians. You, by the way, you didn't come up with that on your own. He wanted you fulfilled. He wanted you fruitful. So he came up with that strategy. Isn't that amazing? I don't know, but you, you guys, I get excited about that. Thank you to everybody who made that conference happen and loved on those eight people. And some people just went beyond and blessed and blessed and blessed. And every person was needed that came to serve. And I just... I was a proud papa, that's all I have to say. It was pretty amazing. And uh, Pastor Bob was asking if he could take some people home with him. I said, you touch them, I break your fingers. <laughs> no, you cannot have them. You, I'll bring them with me on a trip or something, but you can't have them. He said, well, I'm going to ask them anyway. I said, they're not going to go anyway, so 
try all you want. Uh, number seven, another highlight, number seven, the believer's spirit-enabled purity. While this is huge, folks, I want to really spend some time on that in the days to come. Chapter 4, verses 17 to chapter 5, 14. And it says this in Ephesians 4, 22, 24. It says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on a new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. And so God gives this summons to the people of Ephesus to discern and confront, to deny and find deliverance from those things that diminish the capacity for Christ's life to flow in and through their lives. And we're going to be talking about that as well. And then another highlight that we're going to look at over the next eight weeks is number eight, the believer's warfare and victory. Oh my goodness, if there's ever a day that we need to know and understand what happens in the spirit realm and your significant role in defeating what's going on in the spirit realm that's wicked and evil and from the enemy and his enemy forces... So the believer's warfare and victory. And it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That is not just a scripture to take lightly. That is a warning to all of us that you're not in this battle alone, and that there is a spirit realm, and that there's... In the heavenly realms, that, that term in Ephesians is mentioned five times. In the heavenly realms. There is a battle for your salvation, your soul, and other salvation and their souls. And we as a body need to understand that we have authority and power over all forms of darkness and evil. God through Paul presents the conflict of the believer, and that they're going to face a conflict, they're going to be confronted, and they're going to be assaulted by the evil one, and he'll try to break down the purpose and the unity of the local church and make it ineffective. That's why we were praying on Friday night, because we believe that Joy Community Church Though small, is mighty in worship and prayer and the word of God. And we understand the power in the name of Jesus. And we're going to take our stand. And we're going to defeat what the enemy brings our way. That's what we're going to do. Spiritual warfare is a ministry of prayer and intercession. You can't get around it. You either have to do it or you don't understand warfare. You have to stand in the gap. You have to stand in prayer. You have to not only say a quick, oh, I love you, Jesus, but you got to get on your knees and you got to intercede and you got to wrestle the darkness and you got to tear it down believing that God is something called light that will pierce through the darkness of people's lives and souls. I'm saying it's a time to rise and intercede for the kingdom of God. That's the end. Amen? Amen. I'm ending on that note. I got more of it. Well, Lord, it's been a glorious day here at Joy Community Church. 
everything from worship and fellowship and all the things that you're doing and all the things that you're doing in people's lives to the outpouring of your healing touch in our communion time. And Lord, just to begin to study the book of Ephesians and see that we are your wonderful children and heirs and that we walk and we, we walk in the power of our Lord Jesus Christ and the authority is, is ours through the word of Jesus Christ as well. We ask Holy Spirit that you would come and plant these highlights in our hearts. That you would cause them to ruminate in our spirits over the next eight weeks. God, do a mighty pouring out in this place. And Father, protect the unity of the saints and protect the unity of each family and protect the purposes of God in this generation. God, we pray that you will rise up and make us strong and mighty in these next eight weeks that we spend together in the book of Ephesians. In Jesus' holy name we praise you. Amen. God bless you. Now we, we want to minister. So if you need a touch from God, you just need to be encouraged and built up in your most holy faith. We have a prayer team that loves to minister to you. Please come forward and allow the Lord to touch your life and your heart. Have a wonderful week being blessed as God's child and God's heir. God bless you all. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at joycc.info.